Our sermon series and the sermon for today have some interesting names. David provided an excellent description of grumpy old men in the first sermon of this series. I have sometimes been called, believe it or not, a grumpy old man, especially when I hear over and over and over again the same arguments in the same mediation. I have also been called grumpy by my wife and my very good friends. I defend myself vigorously, but I don't think I carry the day. With respect to the title of today's sermon, The Messiness of Affairs, we seem to have a societal fascination with messy affairs. All one needs to do is look at tabloid TV or newspapers to see that affairs can certainly be messy. That is to say, we seem to have developed a zealous fascination for information about the private lives of public people, especially when it comes to being unfaithful in in their marriages and the very messy situations that creates. The exploits of actors and actresses and politicians, athletes, business moguls, and yes, even ministers appear in lurid headlines on papers and magazines that are more interested in sensation and messiness than they are in news. Probably most of the subjects of scandal, gossip, half-truth, and innuendo would far rather be alone and private than to see their names, pictures, and details of their lives paraded through all the public. However, the prophet Hosea is a remarkable exception to the desire to keep acts of infidelity buried and to never allow them to become public. We know very little about Hosea before he first appeared as a prophet. I've heard everything from a farmer to a nobleman. When he came to the scene about 740 BCE, the land we now know as Israel was divided in two. Israel, or also called Ephraim, was the northern kingdom, and the southern kingdom was called Judea or Judah. Prophecies were directed towards the northern kingdom by Hosea because that's where he lived. Economically in Israel, a great change had taken place under the reign of Jeroboam II. The cities had grown in wealth and had fostered a small class of rich landowners, merchants, and creditors. However, the vast majority of people who lived in those cities were made up of poor artisans, craftsmen, and laborers who frequently were exploited or even enslaved by the rich. They lived just above starvation level. In the country, indigent farmers were often compelled to sell their holdings to the rich and migrate to the cities. The upper classes were favored by the rulers and the judges. They readily adopted ways of their neighbors and, most importantly to Hosea, worshipped their heathen gods in place of the god of Israel. Politically, the times were turbulent. 
Assyria threatened the northern kingdom as well as many other nations. Internally, vast dynastic changes were taking place, despite the external danger. In two decades, six kings came to the throne, and four of them were killed. Things were becoming rather chaotic in Israel. The nation's unity and prosperity had given way to factionalism, conflict, and even civil war. The fragmented and weakened nation became a sitting duck for Assyria's aggressive and brutal western expansion. Their campaign against Israel in 722 was successful, and the northern kingdom of Israel came to an end and passed away from all history. Hosea was very saddened by the internal strife in Israel. He was sure that it was because Israel had turned away from the holy covenant with God, who was then called Yahweh, and put in its place trust in alliances with other countries and their false god. The covenant he was referring to was the covenant the Hebrew nation entered into with God. At its core, it was that they, if they worshipped God as the one true God, then he would protect them from their enemies and make them a great nation. Hosea believed that Israel was abandoning God to follow other gods and their idols. For this reason, Hosea denounced idolatry as the spirit of harlotry, harlotry which leads to moral degeneration sin, and corruption. At God's instruction, he tried to unify his nation and save it from defeat. He did it in a very unique way. He compared Israel's infidelity to God to infidelity in a marriage, his own marriage. The story told by Hosea may be an allegory or it may be factual. We'll never know. But its power is just the same, whatever it may be. He says that God told him to openly marry a prostitute because Israel had prostituted itself by failing to follow God. Hosea then married Gomer, who in fact was a prostitute. She probably plied her trade in connection with the Canaanite fertility cult of the Baal gods which used prostitutes as a form of worship. And that practice was hated by Hosea. But Hosea loved Gomer, and their marriage covenant provided her with a new beginning, a new life, and he took her away from her past. Gomer became his wife, and they had three children. Sadly and unfortunately, Gomer got tired of the marriage and left Hosea to return to the life of a prostitute. She openly broke the covenant of marriage, just as, and just as Gomer had a man in him, Hosea said that Israel was abandoning God. Just as Gomer had broken the covenant of marriage, Hosea loudly stated that Israel had broken its covenant 
with God. The prophet recalled God's affection for Israel from the days of its infancy, when God taught it how to walk and led it through the perils of the desert of the promised land. But Israel's goodness, according to Hosea, was limited as a morning cloud and the dew that early passes away. Israel must therefore suffer dire punishment and divine wrath because it sows the wind and reaps the whirlwind. And God was really mad at Israel. Really mad at Israel. Listen to the words that Hosea spoke about God concerning Hosea. Listen to the words that God spoke to Israel according to Hosea, that David read for us earlier today. Do not rejoice, O Israel. Do not exult, as other nations do, for you have played the whore, departing from your God. You have loved a prostitute's pay on all threshing floors. Threshing floor and wine shall not feed them, and the new wine shall not fail them. They shall not remain in the land of the Lord. But Ephraim shall return to Egypt, and in Assyria they shall eat unclean food. They shall not pour drink offerings of wine to the Lord, and their sacrifices shall not please him. Such sacrifices will be like mourner's bread. All who eat of it will be defiled, for their bread shall be for their hunger only. It shall not come to the house of the Lord. Hosea was saying God was really mad at Israel. In fact, Israel was in one real messy situation with God, according to Hosea. We have all found ourselves in messy situations with others. Given the nature of Hosea's prophecy, the breaking of the covenant of marriage immediately comes to mind. However, what we do to create messy situations is not limited to a formal statement of covenant. We break the promise to a friend by making known a confidence that they had shared with us, and we create a messy situation. We break the relationship we had with our employer by sharing some corporate secrets pertaining to its business, and we create a messy situation. Someone asks for a promise of loyalty. We give it, and then we turn against them, and we create a messy situation. The worst and most messy situations are when we turn away from God to pursue false idols and place them in the position of God, and that position should be the highest in our lives. According to Hosea, that's exactly what Israel was doing that caused the wrath of God. When the obtaining of wealth becomes the driving force in our life, then in God's eyes, we are pursuing a false God. When we pursue the acquisition of vast amounts of material goods that we really don't need, then in our pursuit, we have turned away from God. 
When we seek fame and recognition as the most important and consuming part of our lives, then we are no longer searching for God. We all call ourselves Christians. We belong to a Christian church. One of the holiest moments that takes place in this church is the participation in the sacrament of communion. In that sacrament, it is said, it is open to all who confess Jesus as the Christ and seek to follow his way. It also quotes the words from Jesus, wherein he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When we participate in this holiest of sacraments, we are entering into a holy covenant with God through Jesus Christ and promise to follow his way. What is his way? Well, part of it is the way of the prophets. We are agreeing to a new covenant with God to seek justice for the poor, to seek justice for those wrongly persecuted, to seek justice for those who are discriminated against on any basis, not limited to race, gender, age, ethnicity, religious beliefs, or political views. Hosea would say that if we are not seeking that justice, just as Jesus certainly did, then we have broken our covenant with God. We have indeed entered into a messy relationship with God. Hosea tells us that we need to become aware of all of the situations in which we have turned away from God. Next week, Hosea himself will tell us what the consequences will be from those situations. But there is hope. There is a way out of the messy situations we have created. Today, let us begin by looking at ourselves in those situations clearly, with no shadows, no darkness, but in the light and see what they are and what they represent. Let us see them through the life, the teaching, and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Amen.